Welcome to Mosaics, a podcast featuring the vibrant and diverse stories of refugee resettlement in Idaho. I'm your host, Holly Beach, with the Idaho Office for Refugees. Today, I am excited to be joined by two of my colleagues that are working on Welcoming Week events for Idaho. So we're here today with City of Boise Senior Community Outreach Manager, Lana Grayville. Welcome, Lana. Thank you. And we're here with my close colleague at the Idaho Office for Refugees, our Events and Partnerships Coordinator, Beth Norton. Welcome, Beth. Thanks. So as we're talking, it's the beginning of September. And every year in September, there's a global initiative called Welcoming Week, and it's led by Welcoming America. And the whole goal is to bring communities together, let people meet each other that might not have met each other, and just show the importance of having inclusive communities. So we've got some exciting events coming up in Boise including the city of Boise is coming up on September 7th. So Lana, can you share a little bit about what that's going to be like? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the city started doing first Thursdays on City Hall Plaza, and our goal there is to really activate that space for the community and create celebrations in honor of commemorative months. Um, So we've been doing this for a little over a year now where we look at what is coming up um, for commemorative month. um, And September happens to be Pride and Welcoming Week. And so our theme is a city for everyone. And so we'll be highlighting food from our immigrant communities, uh, music, DJ Rashad will be there. And um, we'll have community partners working with our immigrant and LGBTQ communities tabling there to share information. So it'll be a really fun celebratory event. Nice. That sounds great. Yeah. And then I know throughout the month, too, we have events with IOR and partners, um, including by the time this comes out, this will be old news, but Split Rail Wineries having Global Gardens there. That'll be a really special time. And then... We have a family day coming up with the YMCA and also an Afghan cooking experience. So Beth, do you want to share a little bit about what we've been up to to prepare for Welcoming Week? Yeah, we are really excited about the Afghan cooking experience. We have kind of a like landmark partnership that we are um, kicking off this event with, with Jump, um, who's generously letting us use um, their beautiful kitchen space to feature um, a woman from the Afghan community named Seema. Um, she'll be making a traditional Afghan dumpling called Ashak. Um, and filling and dipping sauce. Um, she'll be speaking in her native language of Dari, um, and translating. Uh, translation will be done by her daughter. And that is free and open to the public, um, and it's going to be just a good experience uh, to come and be immersed in either a culture that's different from yours, or we have a really, really large Afghan population here, and we're hoping that a lot of that community comes out and can connect with people from their own home cultures and um, and just feel that little sense of home here Mm -hmm. and then a little bit further out so that's happening on September 12th a little bit further out on September 23rd a Saturday there's going to be a fun event in the park with the YMCA do you want to share a little bit about that yeah so every year the YMCA puts on a welcoming week event and typically that's closer to their downtown location um, at the Boise High School but um, that field is being uh, renovated right now so they have secured uh, space at the Kirsten Armstrong Municipal Park Um, And it'll be a typical Y Welcoming Week event with uh, fun things for the kids like Bouncy House, uh, DJ, uh, catered food by Goodness Land and uh, Amina's, um, all (coughs) free and open to the public. And also, um, in addition to the the general YMCA offerings, we'll have uh, we have we're having a partnership with the Neighbors United Transportation Committee. So um, we're going to have some sustainable mode of transport 
training happening. So we'll have a Boise Bicycle Project there. We'll be there with a bash. Um, if you haven't experienced that yet, it's kind of a, um, a makeshift traffic garden. So they kind of um, simulate what a street environment would be like and teach kids and people of all ages how to bike and interact with our street system. Uh, we'll have a bus with the Valley Regional Transit will be there with um, one of their training buses uh, to get people comfortable with navigating that system. And then also just a great place, a great jungle gym for kids. Um, and then we also have Lime Scooter there with some of their devices, some helmets, and um, s- um, some people there to help with their direct access program. Um, so people from refugee communities, anybody who's receiving actually any sort of um, public assistance can qualify for their discount, which is 70% off, which can really help um, close the gap between, you know, those distances between like home and where you would pick up a bus. Um, So we're hoping to get the word out. We're also going to have translators there, um, people to help bridge that language gap with these trainings. Um, And then this is a welcoming week event. So we want uh, just as much as we want the refugee community there. We also want the receiving community there. Um, to have like friendly faces and just like be able to make connections and um, just have fun with uh, people from all different cultures. That sounds like a really amazing time. I think it's four to seven. Four to seven. On that Saturday, September 23rd. So if you're in the Boise area that day, bring your family, come enjoy some good food and meeting people and learning more about these resources. So thank you so much for sharing that. And also shout out to our partners in Haley, Idaho, the Unity Alliance of Southern Idaho. That same night, they are doing the Community Unity Table, which is a community dinner designed to bring people from diverse backgrounds together as well. So lots of cool things happening in our state this month. Juana, I'd love to hear more about you and your family. So you have experienced welcome firsthand in 1990. You were only five years old, so you might not remember much about that time. Um, But your family did resettle here in the U.S. And can you tell us a little bit about that and what along the way were some beacons of welcome for you. Yes, absolutely. Happy to. Yeah, so my family resettled in California in 1990. Um, We came from Azerbaijan. Um, We're ethnically Armenian, and so we were resettled um, kind of at the height of the war in Azerbaijan. And so we came to a new country, and my parents were pretty young. They were my age now, actually younger. And I remember we were lucky. My mom spoke English. And so that barrier, you know, which is a huge barrier for a lot of folks who are being resettled, um, kind of helped us transition a little bit easier. And so we were plugged in pretty quickly into kind of some of the local nonprofits. And I remember my mom would host English classes at our apartment and for fellow refugees and I think that sense of community was really helpful in the nonprofits in the area and the church that we um, you know that we were fortunate enough to have some help from would supply food and books and resources to help kind of that journey for other folks who didn't have the English language the same way my family did and so even though it was five I remember some very specific moments of sharing meals and they weren't all refugees from um, Azerbaijan. My mom, um, you know, kind of opened our doors to different, we lived, we were resettled in Compton and so had a lot of different communities um, and people who spoke varying levels of English. And so I remember having one of our neighbors bring spring rolls and others would bring different foods and just sharing that space and food and cultures um, stands out pretty prominently in the 
We talk sometimes in our office about the difference between welcome and belonging and how we would definitely want to move. Welcome is good at the time that it's needed, but it's not the final phase that we want to get to. We really want to get to belonging. And so would one of you want to jump in with your thoughts on what that takes and what the difference is? I think like time, I would say, is the biggest difference. I don't know. I'm not... I don't have a refugee background myself, but I have moved around a lot and lived in a lot of different places. And welcoming, I think, is that initial, you know, sense of friendliness. And uh, we see you, you're here, let's help you get on your feet. Um, and then belonging, I think, is something that you can't, like, you can't just fabricate it. It's not an overnight thing or a light switch thing. Um, I think it, it, for me at least, I know it, it takes years upon years uh, to really feel like I belong in a place and and also to have like really close connections and people that I would like consider family or people that I know I could call if I ever really needed anything and you know just a sense of familiarity with a place like I think I read a, a quote recently that says home is not where you are born but it's where all of your attempts to escape cease mm-hmm. and um, I think that's what belonging means. That's a really cool quote. Yeah, I love that. I I totally agree. And I would say um, kind of on the flip side of that is a little bit of curiosity, right? I think it's easy to say, well, we're okay with people being here, but it's just being curious and learning. I remember growing up and um, at that time, there was a lot of talks of assimilation. I even remember having a uh, uh, melting pot potluck at school where it was like, we're all the same. And I just remember that acute feeling of, but we're not. Mm-hmm. And why are we not? And I, this was in like fifth grade. And I'm like, why are we not celebrating the differences? Why are we not acknowledging, let alone celebrating? Um, and so I think for me, that curiosity, right, of I don't know, I may not know, you know, about somebody's home country or their cultures or their customs, but being open and curious to learning um, fosters the belonging. Mm. I know as a community and as a state, as a country, we, we've we come a long way in certain areas and we have a long way to go in others. So Lana, with your work with the city of Boise, where do you see as um, areas that make you really proud? And where do you see in terms of acceptance and welcoming as areas that you want to see, like the most pressing needs for, for us to come together for progress? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm really proud of... The work that we're doing to a celebrate the diversity and the intersections. Um, I think sometimes we forget a little bit of the intersections that exist um, within our communities. It's not just Pride Month, but it's Pride Month and Welcoming Week. And I think that's really powerful knowing that um, our communities intersect in a lot of ways, whether that's with gender identity or culture or whatever that cross-sect might be. And so recognizing that, and I think we've made some really big strides and I'm proud of the city, the work the city has done to do that. And I'm grateful to do what I get to do um, in kind of highlighting and working with our different communities. I think there's still some fear of the unknown. And I think it's human nature to find what's what you know to be true or what you find comfortable. And it's stepping out of that comfort zone a little bit. I think people have good intentions and sometimes that fear holds them back. And so I just really lean into that curiosity and keeping an open mind. I think the cooking classes that IOR hosts are incredible. Food is such a gateway to getting to know other people. Um, So I would say that's probably the biggest opportunity. 
With the cooking classes, I do want to shout out Idaho Museum of International Diaspora. They were, so IOR for a time during that pandemic was doing virtual cooking classes to keep people connected in a time that was very isolating. And then um, IMID, the museum was also doing, they creating their kitchen of exotic, exotic eats. And so this year, Beth and Paulina were able to talk and say, hey, let's join forces and let's work together on this shared mission. And so IOR is now a legacy partner with their Kitchen of Exotic Eats. So there will be many more opportunities, um, virtual or in person, hopefully more in person, um, to connect with a community featured cook from many different backgrounds. We've already had Indian cuisine, Lao cuisine. Now we're going to have Afghan cuisine and excited to see where that goes. But it was a really fun to partner with them. And what makes you excited about that partnership, Beth? Uh, well, like, I mean, Paulina just immediately opened like her home to me and, you know, brought me in in a way that I thought was maybe traditional to her like culture. And um, with that partnership, she really cemented it by just like being like, come to my kitchen and let's make spring rolls and then making me eat all of those spring rolls with her. <laughs> um, and they were so good. And then I got a chance to take the class, the online cooking class that she um, put on last week and I was a little skeptical because I, I loathe Zoom meetings um, and I try to avoid them whenever possible but it was so cool especially as like I am you know naturally introverted I kind of recharge on my own so it was so cool to just put this put my put my um, laptop up and cook alongside of her and the other people that were there it felt like great community and I learned so much about Lao culture and like her Southern Lao culture in particular, um, and I made something I never would have made. Like I impressed a friend on a picnic a few days after that with this new <laughs> recipe that I made. I made this like sauce, you know, one of those good like tangy, sweet, you know, Asian sauces that you get that you're just like, oh, you can't like, how do I do this? I, I did that, and um, I'm so excited for more of those as well. And for anyone not acquainted yet with Paulina, she is the founder of the Idaho Museum of International Diaspora and the executive director, Paulina Luange, and her family did come from Laos when she was just three years old. Um, you can hear more about her story on episode six of Mosaics if you want to go back and check it out. It's really beautiful. But that's so cool that you got to do that and make it for a friend and then impress them. I also did a, a Syrian cooking class I was think I was so thankful the whole time that I went to my mom's house to do it because she's like a chopping machine. Like I would have been hours behind everyone else with all that parsley, but she was just like. So thankfully we stayed on pace, um, and I haven't tried it again, <laughs> but I was really good. I'm just not as confident. I need to do a few more cooking classes before I'm confident enough to share that with a friend on a picnic. So <laughs> kudos to you. I think for me a sense of welcome. Like I've lived in Idaho most of my life, but for six months I did live in Johannesburg and something that made me feel really welcome there was one of the local girls my age took me downtown to see a comedy show and like something that I never would have been able to really know like where's the comedy scene or where is it like okay for me to be where should I maybe avoid and that kind of thing so do either of you have like experiences like that where someone just kind of like took you by the hand and opened up a new opportunity for you? Yeah, I would say that was probably the first several years of my life in the United States. And we had really great host family that would take us to events. I remember really vividly, we moved in December of 1990. And then the following year was Halloween. 
um, which, as we know now, happens every year. Um, (laughs) That was not a thing. That's not a thing in Azerbaijan, it turns out. And so I remember that first year, people coming to our door and knocking and asking for things and kids in costumes. And it was such a wild concept. And Did nobody warn you? Nobody warned us. Oh, no. no, no. And I, it was afterwards, I remember my mom calling our host family and they were like, oh gosh, we didn't even think of it. It just happens here. And so we didn't think about telling you. She's like, kids were asking for candy and I didn't know what to do. And so it was just interesting. I remember the next year we had costumes donated to us. And so my brother and I got to participate in Halloween, which was such a cool experience as a kid, just because that was so outside of our norm. Um, but sporting events going, I remember going to our first basketball game and our first football game. And it was all from members of our community that we had met who had taken us to these things. And so just getting to be immersed in a culture and feeling a part of it was such a huge factor, I think, in our lives and like the success that we had experienced afterwards, you know, just as a result of that, somebody taking the time to introduce us to things that are normal or part of everyday life otherwise for people who are from the country. When you say you had a host family, did you actually live with that family when you first got here or they just kind of helping you along in other ways? They were helping us along. So they helped get us our apartment and bring food and showed us how to navigate getting or setting up a bank account or getting us registered for school, just basic things that we wouldn't have known how to do otherwise. And do you still talk to them today? They were quite a bit older. So they, um, it was an older couple. And Mm -hmm. so they passed probably like 15, 20 years ago. But I imagine that was a special relationship that probably continued past the time when you needed them to show you things. Yes. Yeah. They turned into grandma and grandpa for us because my grandparents didn't move with Mm -hmm. us. It was just our family. And so they kind of took on that role for my brother and I. That's really special. Yeah. Yeah. I know like resettlement has, it kind of moved away from the host family model um, and is Actually, with Welcome Corps, we've talked about Welcome Corps on this podcast a little bit, where people can now be sponsors to help a refugee individual or family resettle and really be that partner with them in their first 90 days. So it's kind of coming back to where it's like individual families and and residents get to take on some of these roles and helping people feel more settled and uh, get to know their community a little bit better. So it's pretty cool. And I know Global Community Partners here in Boise also has a friendship program that will pair people up. So if anyone listening is interested in that, there are some outlets to become kind of that friendship person for somebody new. Beth, did you have any opportunities that you would want to share along those lines? Of, or like times when someone was that for you? Yeah, I was like thinking back a little bit and like anytime I, I think anytime I moved anywhere, there was always somebody that reached out. But I thought about my senior year of high school, I moved with my foster parents from California to North Carolina. And that was like being at a new school. My senior year was a little terrifying. Um, and the culture there was pretty different. And I spent the first like week maybe, um, you know, on my lunch period, like hiding in a bathroom stall um, or like calling my foster mom to come have lunch with me. And then I was in this AP English class. And I think like one of the girls or a couple of the girls, like maybe had something click or noticed something and they just asked me like what do you do at lunchtime and 
I was like, I you know no, nothing. <laughs> and um, and then after that, they invited me along to their group. And that was like a highlight of my senior year because we always went to Subway. And I would have never thought to go to Subway. But they had this uh, great hack where they would call ahead because we only had like 45 minutes for lunch. They'd call ahead and order a kid's meal where you got like one of those round sandwiches, a bag of chips, a cookie and a drink. And it was only like $5 or something. So we were just like such little like, you know, teenage hooligans like we would like one of one of my friends would like they would go get the van and they would open the door and drive up quick and we'd all jump in the van door and they'd like speed up and <laughs> slam on the brakes so the door closed and then we'd like peel into the subway parking lot we'd cut the line of like working people get our kids meals um and then rush back to school and um yeah that was yeah that was a highlight the subway heist yep. i love that that's such a good example Beth, you've been in this work for almost a year now, and I'm just curious. You're a passionate Boise resident, and you really care about inclusivity. What are you seeing that is pushing on you? Of like, oh, these are the th- things that we need to really address for this to be a more welcoming community. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, what do you mean, things that are pushing on me? Things that are like weighing on you, or like you're observing that's like oh, this is a gap that we really need to address. Yeah. Well, I think, like, my my experience in, like, working directly with people is pretty limited because of my position. Um, but I can just speak from knowing, like, working with some colleagues. I do get, because, you know, IOR does a great job of hiring people from within the refugee community and just um, becoming friends and colleagues with them and, and understanding their experiences when we, like, chat over lunch or you know, get together outside of work, um, is that, you know, it does like take a village, especially for people with kids and people that are here and they might not have that, um, you know, extended family support network can be, I think, overburdened with all of the challenges, um, just of regular life, but then also of, uh, adapting, um, and assimilating to the way that things are done here. And so kind of like what you're talking about with community partners, I do think that's a, a great program, just having like willing people from the community that are, are, you know, willing to help somebody like figure out how to use the gas pump and um, where the grocery stores are and what the great, you know, events and just kind of get people out of their houses and into the community and doing fun things. And then also like it always comes back to housing and transportation. It's, those are just massive struggles for people. People are, you know, having to live in temporary housing or Airbnbs a lot longer or they're really income strapped because they uh, don't have housing. And so um, unfortunately we have this, you know, profit model of housing. And I think that's just really impeding the quality of life for people who have, you know, gone through really extreme things um, and are just here to find safety and, you know, want to be able to grow and be a part of the community. And they have a lot to offer. I see that holding them back and then also our, sort of limited access to public transportation, which is getting better. VRT is doing a lot of work on it and hopeful for the future with that. But um, I would say those two things are, are the biggest things. What about you, Lana? Do you want to add anything? I don't know that I have anything to add other than Echo. I think housing is probably the biggest factor. And I mean, we're seeing that nationally, right? Um, the housing shortage and crisis. And so that you know, coming into a new country and already having so many barriers, housing, which feels like something that should be kind of a basic need that's met when somebody is resettled, 
having that be uncertain just exacerbates everything else. And so I think looking into if you are somebody who's able to or has an accessory dwelling unit or a room or, you know, if you're a property owner, offering up that housing would be a huge benefit to the community for sure. Yeah, anyone that is interested, maybe you have a place that you rent or maybe you're in the real estate industry or development industry, we do have a website called howsyourneighbor.org and it is a great connector for if you want to know how you can be involved. I would point you to house, it's house like H-O-U-S-E, howsyourneighbor.org. Really cool resources there. Someone I know too recently became a co-signer for someone from a refugee background because they didn't quite have the rental history yet or the credit history yet to meet those requirements. So having a co-signer gave them the opportunity to get an apartment that they wouldn't have been able to get. And so um, it was a simple process for that person. And the resettlement agency is there as a, you know, a partner to help through all that. So if you're interested in that, that's also where you can go to get connected. So thanks for bringing that up. Those are some more, I think, more practical steps of that welcome. Like we recognize that there are some barriers here, but in the whole, like it takes a village idea too. I don't think that we always do that super well in this culture. It kind of can get pretty insular on people's own lives and own families. And I'm definitely guilty of that. So it's a good reminder of how those little ways can support each other. Um, With this welcoming focus this month, what do you hope that people maybe take away from it, whether they're from the receiving American-born community or from the community that has resettled here? I would say, I mean, I think it's all a continuum, right? I think um, a learning about the different cultures and the people that are here in our community through these community events that we're hosting that we've chatted about is a great first step. I mean, come and meet people. And I think when you meet people, when there are opportunities to either volunteer or be a host family or whatever it may be, give somebody a ride, teach them how to use the pump, help them and their kids get registered for school. There's so many things that we can do. But I think that first step is getting to know who our fellow community members are and these events. I think that's really at the core why they're so important um, is just bringing folks together, whether it's through music or food, celebration is to know one another and then figure out how do we build that network and that fabric to really help one another succeed. And so I think those are kind of the first steps to really learning about one another and getting connected that way. What about you, Beth? Yeah, we recently, you know, got a chance to table at the Go Ahead Fest and I was really pleasantly surprised because so many people came up and they were like, wow, refugee resettlement, like, we, you know, we've heard that Idaho does this a lot and well, but we don't know anything about it. And so I, and I know before I started working in this field, I had no idea that we had like such a diverse population of people resettled here. Um, and I think a lot of people would be surprised to find out that we have like so many people from Afghanistan and from the Ukraine and the Democratic Republic of Congo and then, you know, on and on from there. And so I think just the chance to like get an in-person vision into the diversity that is that is in Idaho um, through refugee resettlement, like you could you can really get that from these events and get a feel for these people. And, and even just like if you can't speak the same language, like I just love that connection when you like just look somebody in the eyes, like especially I don't know, it's like an like old old women. <laughs> you just like look these old women in their eyes and it's just like they're bright and shining and like full of love. And yeah, it's just for me, it just like yeah, makes me feel warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that coming to an event and just 
checking it out and getting a feel for what the landscape is and then other ways too is if you like to support people with your wallet there's like restaurants and markets and you can try new things and support someone an entrepreneur who came here uh, through the refugee program and is now running a really successful business and helping boost our culinary scene on the national stage Uh, we recently had a national journalist um, freelance food and travel writer came to visit Boise and he went to the Goathead Fest too and then while he was here he went to like different places um, like Kibram's, Ethiopian food, and he went to Foodland Market. He went to the Sham Sisters um, Sunshine Spice Cafe, other places too, and really highlighted. Go check out uh, the Global Trip on Instagram and Facebook. He highlighted these restaurants and their stories in such a beautiful way. And so those are some really cool ways to show your support too, is just go try out some new foods and support their businesses. And there's also artisans at Global Lounge they have markets that feature new American artisans as well. So lots of fun ways to benefit yourself and also show welcome at the same time. Any other ideas that you guys like to engage with? Yeah, that global lounge market, it has been happening on Fridays. I think they're shifting it to Saturday mornings. I'm not sure when that's happening, but that's a great like weekly opportunity to go and support artists and uh, entrepreneurs and cooks, people who are starting their, their restaurant business um, every week. Yeah, you're right. It moved to Saturdays. So Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in Boise. Yeah, I mean, food for, I'm a huge foodie anyway, so that's Mm -hmm. my go-to for everything. And I would recommend also when you're there, talk to the people, learn about their stories, learn about the food that you're eating and the significance to culture. And so I just think through food, music, curiosity, there's a lot to gain. I love the curiosity. Curiosity in a way that's supportive and stuff <laughs> like yeah yeah and, uh, have you ever had um I remember Maya who came on the podcast before she's from Bosnia was sharing about sometimes when people ask about her accent if it's like the first thing and that's all they care about just to like feed their curiosity like where are you mm-hmm. from and then she said it kind of got old after a while um but if they actually like had a conversation with her and then eventually showed interest and in, like well what's your background and so for you, Lana, was that ever a thing with your family? Like, was there ever curiosity that was kind of like, uh. <laughs> Yes. Oh, gosh. I remember I just had vivid flashbacks to elementary school and people like, say something in Russian, say something in Russian. And it was just like everybody. I'm also an introvert, so I completely understand <laughs> you, Beth. Um, that attention, I would just be so turned off by it. And it because it wasn't genuine curiosity, right? It was just like, oh, I want to hear you say something different. Um, and it wouldn't go beyond that. Like, I am I would love to talk to people about my background, my culture. I'm really proud, um, you know, and I've been in this country for 33 years now. And so, uh, but I'm still really tied to the Armenian culture. And so there's a difference, right? And like somebody asking about my culture, customs, practices, language, food, and that's different when they're like, oh, just say a different word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that I, I'm glad you said that, Holly. I think the genuine curiosity is the difference. Well, I've really enjoyed talking with you both about this. Is there anything that you would want to leave people with before we go? Just come out. Come on out. (laughs) Come on down. Get on your bike. Come on out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would say Boise is so wonderful in that we're still a small community, right? We And we're such a diverse community. Every week there's something to do. There are opportunities to learn and um, participate in events and so you know keep an eye out and if you're nervous or scared just go you're going to learn um, you're going to have a great time and then 
it's just a great way to enrich our community. So like Beth said, come on out. Yeah, if you're like me and you commit and then the day of you're like, okay, what can I think of to get out of this? Don't do it. <laughs> just go. You'll be worth it. Yeah, so. don't commit and then go. <laughs> That's what I like to do. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a pleasant surprise if I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to learn more about all of these events, check out IdahoRefugees.org. And to reach out to the podcast for your ideas of who we should feature or topics or questions, please email us at mosaics at IdahoRefugees.org. Anna and Beth, thank you so much. And happy welcoming week slash pride month slash welcoming month. Yay. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining the conversation. For more information on how to be involved with refugee resettlement, please visit IdahoRefugees.org. Mosaics is produced by the Idaho Office for Refugees with grant support from the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust. Music by the Afrosonics. Production and partnership with SB Studios.